Hey Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. Good morning, Husker fans. Welcome back to the Husker Big Red YouTube channel. Uh, back with me, as always, my co-host, Danny Gillette of thegreatcornholio.org. And it was a great uh, night last night, Danny. It was a late night um, as uh, Nebraska went on the road, and it, it was kind of ugly. They had to rally from a 13-point deficit, but we've got a second straight win, a two-game winning streak. So we're talking gut reactions. Just uh, what, what was your first reaction last night to uh, a huge win for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, Danny? Well, since you're talking about the win, I'll offer my first reaction to the win. I can tell you my first reaction last night, but um, you know this is this is you can't ask for more. You know, on the road against Rutgers, and people think, oh, Rutgers, you know, we should smoke them, we should beat them, and admittedly, that's what we thought in our predictions. But Greg Schiano teams always come to play. They're very well coached, very disciplined, and they make life difficult for their opponents. And we saw that um, for the Nebraska offense for most of the game um on friday night and you know they were able to find the trey palmer casey thompson connection again and that really kind of got things rolling better late than never yeah trey the kid man came up with a huge play last night uh you know casey thompson you have to give him a lot of credit you know things did not go perfectly in the first half you know he was getting blitzed you know pressured all the time um had the interception you know people were talking about you know is Chubba Purdy going to come in here and you know Mickey Joseph stuck with his guys he kept with his team you know his steady leadership you know was there Nebraska incredibly now has shut out you know two opponents in a row in the second half on defense and so that was you know a huge key to last night um, but even beyond that in the first half you know the defense really did a spectacular job of keeping Nebraska in the game. You know, there was the blocked punt. You know, when they blocked that punt, I mean, my first thought was like, oh, here we go again, you know, and they're going to get up 14 nothing. But the defense holds them to three points. Um, Gunnarsson made a nice stop there to keep them out of the end zone and uh, give the defense a chance. And that was maybe something, it's those little effort plays. You know, it's, it's like sometimes, you know, in the NFL, when you uh, or some, you, you chase a guy down after a big play to the one-yard line and people are like, well, why did, you know, it didn't matter. Well, sometimes those things do matter. And uh, the defense, you know, made it matter that, you know, Rutgers didn't score on that blocked punt. And I think those couple of stops, you know, like after the turnovers to keep it 13, nothing that that saved Nebraska's chances of winning that game. The time of possession was uh, 31, 40 and 28, 20 in favor of Nebraska. But it felt like the defense was out on the field for a lot of the game, especially in the first half. And, you know, they continued to stand strong and, you know, stay firm. And they were able to get the key stops they needed. And, you know, a lot of times they were put in unfavorable position on the field and they were able to just stay steady and, you know, try to limit Rutgers as much as possible. I thought they did a really good job with that. And I thought uh, Bill Bush had another strong game. I really think when you look at, you know, what he's done this past two weeks and how bad the defense was prior to this, he's done a very, very good job. Yeah, I mean, Bill Bush getting top marks for me again last night. I mean, the, the pass rush was good. You know, there's uh, 
there's just some variance to his scheme. You know, he's not just saying, hey, you know, let's line up four guys and and rush people. He's calling um, some nice stunts. He's putting guys in a position to succeed. And they forced three turnovers last night, and those were absolutely huge. You know, Brandon Moore, we were all kind of, uh, you know, asking about him when he got picked up, and he got through in the game last night and made an absolutely huge play. Uh, Miles Farmer, man, I loved what Mickey Joseph, I don't know if you saw the press conference last night, but I rewatched it, um, you know, it, last night, uh, not live, but, you know, Mickey said, you know, Miles Farmer was struggling, but, uh, you know, I believed in the kid. I know he's a good player. I kept on him and he made a huge play last night and Nebraska doesn't win that game without him. And then of course, you know, Malcolm Hartsog, you know, he really started poorly. I mean, that long pass play from, uh, I think it was Betty, you know, the 30 yard pass play on that kind of that first drive, he got benched for a minute, but, uh, you know, you have to have a, a short memory to play cornerback and he came up with a huge play. I mean, it wasn't the hardest play on that interception, but he still caught the ball and uh, it was really smart for him to get to slide down too. I was impressed with that. Although I, I wasn't impressed with uh, the fact that Nebraska almost had like a New York Giants, uh, uh, you know, miracle in the Meadowlands fumble on the uh on the snap i i missed that for a second because i was i was doing my i work as a sports guy newspaper guy and so i was at a high school football game streaming it at the same time and uh i think i tweeted out nebraska's alone first in the big 10 west before the game was over and then casey thompson i did the same thing that was scary but it, it worked out but please let's work on that a little bit nebraska just has had so few uh the victory formation chances they almost messed it up but uh but well the defense poor... <laughs> again was just yeah sorry but man the no, defense no. was amazing i was gonna say poor casey probably had you know a knee-jerk <laughs> reaction to snapping the ball and then having to run to save his life because yeah. i'll say this the offensive line is absolutely horrible and i don't see it getting fixed anytime soon it is atrocious probably probably the worst um unit on this entire team this it's just miserable and you know if, you know, you could say bench Casey, you know, at certain spots and put in Chubba, but I think you could put Tom Brady back there or, you know, Patrick Mahomes back there and they wouldn't be able to do anything behind this line. This line is absolutely, they were basically holding the Rutgers defender's hands to lead him to Casey Thompson. And it was just disgusting. It was disgusting. I mean, I hate to, you know, bash on the line so bad, but, you know, all year it's just been the same stuff and it's been literally disgusting play from the line. I don't know how some of these guys, we're so highly ranked recruits because this is just awful and I don't see it getting better. Yeah. You know, we talked about that last week. That's the biggest wart on this roster. And I mean, if you look at it, I mean, the defense has gotten a lot better and that's the biggest concern kind of going into every game. And it was a big concern last night, you know, can they protect Casey Thompson? And they did not do a very good job of that. Um, the running game got nowhere. I think Anthony Grant only had like 49 yards. It was just a, it was a, a grind for every single yard there just was no holes for the guy and i don't know if he i mean he maybe had a couple maybe one run that was over 10 yards but it was tough sledding and you know some of the blocking was brutal i mean turner corcoran in the second half just got absolutely toasted on the blind side i didn't want to name names but yeah yeah <laughs> and and i know he's he's out of you know i know he's better at left guard than left tackle that's not where they wanted to play him but it's like you have to do what you have to do and you know, it's, it's the next man up. And, you know, Mickey was joking about this last night and he's like, you know, what else, what else am I going to do? That's it's the next man up. The next guy's got, you know, gets a scholarship too. And I expect him to step in there and play. Um, and that's worked at a lot of positions, but the offensive line, it just, it really hasn't. And I agree with you, Danny, it's going to be a, it's going to be a constant issue. That's going to have to be managed basically through every game because that they're going to get smoked, you know, constantly. I just, 
And, and I know Rutgers has a pretty solid defensive line. I mean, they're better than like Indiana, but uh, you know, Illinois is going to be tough. Purdue's going to be tough. Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, all those teams are really good on the D line. So it's, it's going to be a little bit scary and hopefully Anthony Grant can find a way to get some yards against some other teams. And people were saying, you know, why not run the ball a little bit more? Because Anthony Grant would literally run into the uh, Rutgers defensive line and, you know, get stopped for two yards. That's why they didn't run the ball a little bit more. And I know it puts pressure on Casey Thompson and the rest of the offense to get things done. But, I mean, ugh, that line is just gross. I mean, what what do you do to kind of counteract that offensively? Do you just see if Casey can run more? I know that's not his primary skill set, like Adrian Martinez, for example, but I mean, if I was Mark Whipple, I would try to see if I could get more quarterback rollout plays just to, at the very least, save Thompson. Yeah, it's kind of a hard dilemma. You know, I, I understand the idea behind running the ball, but like you said, you have to get some push up. I'm going to be interested to look at the snap counts because, you know, I didn't, I wasn't able to watch the game quite as closely as I normally do. So I don't know if, you know, Hunter Anthony and did they still split time at right tackle? I'm, I'm curious about Lovtoski. You know, if he got any snaps too, because that's about the only backups that you can play right now, Latoski and uh, Anthony. That's, you know, because the other guys, it's just, there's just really nowhere else to go on that offensive line depth chart. And that's kind of the most difficult thing, I think, for Donovan Rayola and these guys is they're just, they're just uh, you know, they're trying to make kind of some square pieces fit into round holes and it's just not really working. But, um, but so far, man, they've, they've got two big wins, and I just I have to give a ton of credit to Casey Thompson. He was so gutsy last night. Uh, Travis Vokalek was big, you know, on the road at Rutgers, Trey Palmer and all those guys, Marcus Washington. But I really think, like, last night, Casey Thompson kind of, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see him coming out ever again, you know, for, you know, maybe if he gets hurt or whatever. But, you know, Mickey Joseph really talked about him strongly at the uh, press conference last night, and he brought this team back. I mean, I know there was a lot of other factors, but uh, Nebraska doesn't win – that game without a gutsy performance from Casey Thompson. Absolutely. And I thought he did the best he could with what he was given. And, uh, you know, I thought they did a really good job of um, giving him slant routes because it seems like he sees the ball better when the play is right in front of him. And, you know, that's not a knock on him. If it works, keep going to it. And that's what they did. Um, you know, I thought the first drive of the second half when they got Anthony Grant involved in the passing game and they were able to move downfield when Anthony Grant absolutely ended that Rutgers defender's life, I thought that was a very good drive. I mean, man, that was a hit. That was that, a hit you see from like a linebacker, but he just absolutely not a dirty hit, not a you know, not no. a not a foul play. That just looked bad because he literally lowered his shoulder and then completely flattened the Rutgers defender. I was just like, man, like damn, like we haven't seen that in a little bit. And it was that was good to see. So that definitely got, you know, the blood flowing, the juices flowing, um, I think. But, yeah, I liked Casey. Did You know, like last week we talked about, you know, hit some of those easy passes. Well, he did that last night. I mean, he threw some because he had to out of necessity. But he threw some short passes to Grant, to uh, Vokalek. And I thought that Mark Whipple did a really good job scheming things up. You know, they were pinned inside their own territory a lot to start last night, um, to start drives last night. And, and that makes it pretty difficult when you can't run the football and you're, you're getting absolutely no pass protection. Um, so I thought Whipple really did a nice job of getting the ball out to Vokalek. And, you know, after Casey Thompson's poor start, you know, getting him some easy completions, some high percentage throws to kind of get him going. Um, yeah, I really liked it. And it was interesting because last night, 
you know, uh, they asked Mickey about Whipple and, you know, if he wanted to run more or whatever. And it was really interesting what he said. He said, uh, you know, Whipple's a veteran coach and uh, he's like, I'm not going to criticize him. I'm going to let him figure it out. You know, I'm not going to hop in there. And, you know, basically did the anti Scott Frost. And so far, almost everything that Mickey's has done has been the anti Scott Frost. And this, this team would not have won if Scott Frost was coaching last night. No way in hell. And they wouldn't have won against Indiana either. Um, But, you know, people are criticizing his play calling, um, Mark Whipple's play calling, and it's fair to a point. But in order to execute, you have to have a good line, and the combination of not having a good line and not allowing Casey Thompson to make his reads um, does affect play calling in some instances, and it also affects play calling because, you know, you struggle to run the football. So I know people were getting on Whipple last night for his play calling in some parts of the game, but... You know, and I hate to put it on one unit, but it really was the offensive line. If we had a better offensive line, some of these plays get uh, completed and we get to move the chains forward more than we did last, more than we did uh, Friday night. Yeah, because it, you know, it opens up the whole playbook. And especially we've we've seen, you know, with this Nebraska offense, when Anthony Grant's going and when Casey Thompson doesn't have to sit there in second and long and third and long, I mean, the offense works much better. I mean, we all, everybody knows that. Uh, I can under... I can understand people being frustrated with Whipple, but I really think he's done a lot better job over the, the past couple of weeks. It seems like there is more of that. You know, I feel like he just is can be himself with Mickey. I know Mickey's kind of said, hey, let's slow it down a little bit, which they didn't really do, but they did when they had to. I mean, in the fourth quarter, they time man, they they burned off every single second before they punted the ball back to Rutgers. And and I enjoyed that. You know, um, I, I think that it was the smart decision and uh, just to trust in your defense. And, it, you know, he uh, trusted in the defense a lot last night. And it's it's pretty impressive that they went, I mean, almost three quarters without giving up any points and just time and time again, man. And I know Rutgers missed a field goal, but there was like a drive where Rutgers got, you know, to into Nebraska territory with like 10 minutes to go. It was like at the four and it was like third and one and uh, Nebraska stoned them. I mean, it was third and one and the defensive line stoned them. And then Rutgers took that penalty. But I thought that was the turning point because, you know, if Rutgers gets that first down, they're probably going to get a field goal. And then it's 16, seven, and uh, so for them not to get it there and, you know, eventually the field position flipped and then uh, farmer came up with that huge play and, and it all worked out that way. But, you know, the defense just really rose to the occasion every single time. And you know what? I said this last night at HuskerBigRed.com. I think it's time to give the black shirts back the black shirts. Personally, I believe that. I mean, after what they did last night and what they did against Indiana, you know, I'm not saying everybody on the defense, but you know, Malcolm Herzog, he deserves a black shirt, I think. And some of those other guys that got him taken away after that Oklahoma game, I think they should be given back. We'll see what they do against Purdue um, this weekend, but I think it is almost time to give them the black shirts. I don't know if I'd give them back yet, only because we've won without them. So I don't know. I'm a little bit superstitious now. Get two wins and uh, get a little bit of superstition going. But you know, I will say you you mentioned the good offensive play calling, and I was just thinking when you were talking about that. In our three wins against, um, what was it, South Dakota State? I get South and North mixed up. North, it was North Dakota. North Dakota. Yeah. In, our, in our win against North Dakota, in our win against Indiana, and in our win against Rutgers, we've, we've had a long drive in the fourth quarter that involved some sort of clock management, and we were able to do something to seal the deal. In North Dakota, it was a touchdown, I believe. In the Indiana game, it was another touchdown that took up a lot of time. And in this game, it was simply just draining the clock and allowing the clock to run to not give 
Rutgers a ton of time. So each of the fourth quarter situations that we've been put in, we've played good situational football, and that's not something we've seen in quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I forget. I, I don't remember how what the losing streak was or how many one-possession games we had lost going into last night. It was maybe 10. I'm not sure. I just know there was a number of painful defeats, and we just could not find a way to – you know, kind of get over that. Then there was, everybody was talking about the curse and there was some crazy penalties, but you know, at least in terms of the, the close game curse, like that curse is over and uh, that jinx is over. And I think we have Mickey Joseph and his, uh, you know, his calm collected leadership, because I mean, he said it after the game, he said halftime, you know, in the locker room, this team felt like they were going to come back and win. And I just feel, and I felt that watching the game, it was like, I didn't know they were going to, but even down 13 to nothing, I, I just felt like, man, if we can get one drive, put one drive together, you know, this entire game will change. And that's what ended up happening. And, you know, to, to come back from 13, nothing we're sitting, we're in the, after three big 10 games, I know there's games to go Saturday, but right now we are alone atop the big 10 West standings, Nebraska two and one. I would not have thought that was going to happen two weeks ago. No, and now I think we can honestly begin the bowl game talk in earnest. I think a bowl game is very much in sight. And I know we talked about the month of November being tough, but we also talked about this on Wednesday. You know, Paul Chris is out at Wisconsin. You have you have Minnesota, who looks like a tough team, but we can beat them. I, I personally think we can beat them. And then I know mm -hmm. we have Michigan, right? Michigan in November, which is yeah, going to be on, tough. On the road, which is probably our toughest Who are you going to root for in that one, Chris? Who are you going to root for in that one? I mean, I root for both of them. It's a, it is a weird deal. You know, it's one of those things where like, if it's just, it's a, it is a weird situation like last year. Um, Cause I'm a Michigan fan. My mom is from the Detroit area. And so that side of the family loves Michigan, but I also lived Hastings, Nebraska for a long time. So I'm a hardcore Husker fan. They never used to be in the co same conference. So it's really weird. I, I, uh, I just kind of watch the game and I kind of cheer for both teams and however it, it plays out, you know, it's like I'm still I'm still bitter about Nebraska's loss last year, but I'm also happy about Michigan's win. And so it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a double-edged sword either way. You won't find any flip-flopping here at the greatportfolio.org. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. So no, but it's gonna be a fun game. It's gonna be a very interesting month. And you know, I didn't think we'd be talking about a bowl game at this point in the season. I thought we would be talking about maybe, you know, just getting another win and not to get too ahead of ourselves, because I know Purdue. You know, has some playmakers as well, but a bowl game is certainly within sight. Yeah, for sure. I think especially if you can get, you know, one out of these next two games. Um, but the, the thing is, is like, you know, it's awesome that we're actually sitting at a point where I feel excited about the next game and not just because, you know, it's a, it is a Nebraska game, but because there's actually feels like there's something to play for, not only a bowl game, but man, if this team goes on the road and beats Purdue and gets to three and one, Illinois is coming in the next week. Like these are two big games and Illinois, I think is the team right there with Minnesota that I think could win the big 10 West just based off what we've seen so far. And man, if Nebraska's, I know it's a long, I mean, going to Purdue is going to be tough, but if you win that game you've got illinois coming in you're three and one like that's a big game for nebraska in the conference and we haven't had a, a legitimate like big game for a while so it's just kind of exciting to you know have some stuff to play for and not just not just hoping for like a win or to feel a little bit better but to have actually a legitimate goal that we can reach this season and two weeks from and two weeks from today a certain somebody is going to commit so we'll see we'll see how how all this falls there i know you had the 
big interview. I called you Chris Schefter this week because you had the inside scoop. But <laughs> um, no, I mean, looking at two weeks from now and Malachi Coleman's commitment date, this is a very – last night was a very big win, and I think next week against Purdue is going to be big too because you never know. I mean, I think I think we're sitting nicely for him. You know, I think, you know, from everything that you've written and everything – that you've read, I think um, I think you could you could probably agree that Nebraska is in a good spot for Coleman, and these wins certainly help. But it's it's always better when you're winning. Yeah, it, it definitely is always better, you know, when you're winning. And I think, you know, right now, if you're looking at Mickey Joseph, I mean, there's a better chance right now of him being here, you know, long term as the head coach than there was two weeks ago. So I think there's a lot of positive momentum, and he's built a lot of solid momentum on the recruiting trail. I mean, he's you know, he's showing Trev Alberts like, hey, I, I know how to recruit for this job. I can set up a recruiting strategy. And like people were really, you know, responding to him on the trail. And Malachi Coleman is one of them. He's one of the biggest reasons Mickey's one of the biggest reasons why Nebraska was able to kind of turn it around with Coleman, because it did look like for a while that, you know, Michigan might be in the lead or, you know, USC or Georgia might be in the lead. And it was interesting. You know, he hasn't visited, didn't visit anywhere this weekend. As far as I know, um, he was injured and didn't play, you know, in his high school game. Miami canceled his visit because basically they think he's a silent commit to Nebraska. Now I don't, I don't really silent commitments I think are worthless. I mean, it doesn't really matter if the kid says it until he actually says it publicly, but if Malachi Coleman is going to commit on the 22nd and if he shuts down his recruitment, like he said, he was probably going to, um, then I think he's going to commit to Nebraska. And I think he's going to sign unless, you know, things just totally, like fall apart, you know, and, and it looks like Mickey's not going to come back. Maybe he'll waver, but I really think he's going to commit to Nebraska. And that's just going to be another feather in the cap for Mickey Joseph. And, you know, right now, like Danny, last week on Monday, you know, we talked about him, you know, being in the top three. Where does he stand right now? Where does he stand in your coaching power rankings right now? I guess we'll call it. This is tough. And I already saw a lot of my mentions this morning uh, complaining that we were crowding him too early. But if he keeps where he's going, I don't see how you change things. I mean, I really don't see how you change things because you want stability, you want progress. And, you know, like it or not, and I know players play for the coaches and this, that, and blah, blah, blah. But you want a coach that players like to play for. And you can see the players really responding to Mickey. And so if he keeps this up, I would feel comfortable riding with him um, not only throughout the rest of this season, but in the future as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's definitely moving up my power rankings for sure. He's well into the top three and he's probably right now. I mean, he probably is my number one choice. Just keep this going. And then we don't have to go through this exhaust exhaustive search. We don't have to blow up you know, the 2023 recruiting class potentially and, uh, and with future classes. I mean, Mickey is offering a lot of in-state recruits. He's building a lot of good relationships there. And I mean, either way, I, I do think that Mickey's going to be back if he's not the head coach, you know, unless our new head coach is colossally stupid. And, you know, <laughs> I really hope that whoever we hire, if we do hire somebody else, they would be smart enough to recognize what Mickey Joseph has meant to this program right now. But yeah, I don't see any reason to look outside as long as the, as long as this team keeps winning. Now, to be fair, I mean, we do need to, to slow the train a little bit. It is Indiana and it is Rutgers. I mean, we don't know how many games these teams are going to win, but, you know, any Big Ten win for Nebraska football is huge. And I think the game against Purdue now is going to be the real test. You know, if this team can beat 
a legitimate team. If, if Nebraska can win at Purdue, then I will say this team has a realistic chance of actually winning the Big Ten West Division. That's when it will become real to me. I'm not saying that they will, but if you if you beat Purdue, that's a legitimate victory, and I think that you can say Nebraska's got a real shot at, at winning this division. Absolutely, and on the road at night is going to be tough. And It will be tough. And, you know, hypothetically, if Mickey were to be named the head coach, the only coach I would necessarily change, like absolutely change, is Rayola. Because he's not done anything for me to say, oh, yes, please stay. He hasn't done anything to for, for me to say he needs to go, you know, because he's been put in a tough spot, in my opinion. But he hasn't done anything, you know, for me to say that, you know, he needs to stay as well. And, you know, it, I kind of feel bad for him because I feel like we hired him so we could have a better chance at his nephew. And then that completely backfired. And now we're kind of – we're. He's kind of stuck, and we're kind of stuck with, you know, another terrible offensive line unit. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that, you know, plays out. Um, he he definitely he is in a tough spot. I mean, the one um, guard is suspended. Prajaka's hurt. Corcoran's playing left hat. You know, so there's definitely guys that are out of position, and um, guys have been injured. But that being said, there's got to be a way to to get some kind of competency out of this group, and I, I'm not sure, you know, what you're going to do you know, recruiting wise, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm hoping that this team will uh, hit up the transfer portal on the offensive line more than they did last year. I mean, you know, all the people who said that they needed offensive line help, well, they were right. I mean, they were, they proved to, you know, hit the nail on the head and that's kind of the, you know, a lot of Nebraska's other transfer moves are working out, you know, Oshawn Mathis, big play last night. Didn't, I don't know if he had a sack, but he definitely got yeah, that pass breakup and that was, yeah. And the pass breakup was huge too. Um, that, that wiped away the pass interference penalty. Um, on that last drive, you know, Marcus Washington made some big plays. Trey Palmer, did he make obviously. that catch last night on the sideline? What's your thoughts? I, there? Thought, I he thought he did. He did. I don't know how the hell they didn't. I don't know how the hell they overturned that. I mean, you live. He rolled over. You literally couldn't see the ball, and they're just like, "Well, and I don't know." Yeah. We're Big Ten. Let's just like there. I get to. It's like they're like, "Well, we'll just we'll just figure it out and call it one way." Or the other. It's but so that, stupid. I watch the NFL yeah. now, and it's like, oh, he has to make seventy-five football moves <laughs> and breathe in the end zone and say hi to cheerleaders and buy some popcorn from the stands before we can call it a catch. It's like, okay, like, you know, it doesn't have to be this difficult guys. And you know, they made it difficult on Friday and I thought it was a catch. I thought it was a very good catch. I understand the ball hit the ground, but I don't think the ball ever, I don't think he ever lost control of the ball. No, I don't think he did either. Like if the ball hit the ground and like, he didn't even have his hands under it, like, all right. But if, he he made a catch. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, then he even kind of like held the ball up too. Yeah. But then, then there wasn't another one that was overturned. Wasn't there two? Or we tried to challenge. I thought there was another one that uh that they that we caught that they overturned in the um, second half. I think it might have been Washington. It was team. the phantom offensive pass interference on Trey Palmer. I don't know if you're talking about that one. Oh uh, no, I, th- I thought there was another review, but I could be wrong. But that call was BS too. That was a offensive pass and it, and it wasn't just a nebraska thing they called like five offensive pass interferences i mm-hmm. i had never seen that many in my entire life how bad that uh how bad was that personal foul penalty on that rutgers guy which gave us an extra first down on that, that was, the fourth quarter he was out of bounds but i've seen a lot worse not get called so I I'd be, understand I'd be pissed it, but if that, that was, was cheap, Nebraska. But... That, that, that was a cheap call. That was a cheap yeah. call. I can understand it. 
because they did call it by the rule book, but that was still a cheap call. That was just a terrible officiating crew all around. You know, I bet you nobody wants to work on a Friday college football game in freezing New Jersey. Actually, it's pretty nice last night, but, you know, nobody wants to work Friday night. So they're just like, here, why do you guys want to work? And they said, yeah, and that's what we got. We got a terribly officiated football game on both sides. Yeah, it was it was a it was an impressive atmosphere from Rutgers though. They yeah. had kind of the blackout going. I, we, you know, I knew I expected that it was going to be like a, a one score game, but you know, like I, I wrote last night, Nebraska didn't cover the spread, and I don't care at all because the what win is all that matters. Thirty-one seventeen. I said, I said on the channel twenty-four seventeen. So I mean, we weren't either of us weren't that right, but hey, man, we got a second straight win. Although you picked Indiana last week, so you this is I your did. First I didn't time know how the defense it. didn't. Uh, I, I wasn't sure how the defense was going to be, but and I and I also I just want to say I did like the Rutgers black uniforms. I'm a sucker for black uniforms, and yeah, those were cool. those were sharp last night. Yeah, those were sharp. I do like Nebraska in black as long as the helmet stays the same. I would like I like I definitely dug when they had the black uniforms. Um, I would like to see some more variations. You know, just I mean, you can be traditional and still like stick you know, and still kind of mix it up a little bit. And I, I think it's fun for the players. I mean, the play, you know, they, they kind of buy into it. And, but well, this fan base loves tradition, Chris. You know that. They love tradition to a fault. So we're not going to see any new uniforms, I think, for quite a while. I mean, I, I am all about Tom Osborne. You know that. But, like, we didn't I have don't... stripes on the pants, and 95% <laughs> of the fan base had a heart attack. So I don't think we're going to – I don't think we're going to change too much anytime soon. But I do Probably. agree with you. Probably not. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it gets a little crazy. Like, yeah, the stripes and the just don't change the helmet. That's all I'm ever. Just don't change the helmet. I love the helmet. I love the helmet too. And you're like, there's a, I you know, like Alabama has the classic look, and there's nothing fancy about it. And uh, you know, I just I love that. I mean, Oregon can do some cool stuff, but it's like just you don't need to have a different combination for every single week. And I, I mean, I remember the one where it literally looked piss yellow, and I'm colorblind, but it's like, come on, man. I mean, they, they they have the founder of Under Armour. Like, if I was a recruit, I would love that. Get a nice new uniform every week. The piss yellow ones weren't good, but didn't they have glow-in-the-dark ones that were absolutely yeah. – those were nice. I loved those. Like, that's – like, to me, that's so cool. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather have, you know, alternating, you know, cool uniforms 95% of the time than a terrible, awful uniform 100% of the time. And I think we have a good one. I think we have a good one. Yeah, I, yeah, I love our uniforms, but man, it's it's just it's crazy in the sport and football how much you know one win, two wins can just totally change the narrative because that the loss to Oklahoma that really kind of felt like rock bottom, and now it's it's amazing how far this program feels like it's coming in just you know three weeks. Yeah, this this uh, month of October could be a huge, huge swing in in many areas. I mean. You know, it's kind of, it's really kind of, I don't know what this feels like, like a winning streak. Like, I don't even know how to react. Like, I don't know. I haven't, you know, there hasn't been a Nebraska winning streak in quite some time. And, you know, I'm just enjoying it. I'm just enjoying it. And I know the fans are enjoying it. Most of them anyway. The Facebook crowd is not enjoying it as much as they should this morning. But, I mean, it's just fun. I like winning. Winning's fun. Winning's cool. Let's do it again next weekend. What's what's the Facebook crowd? I haven't looked at the comments a whole lot. Uh, what what's the what, what are the, some of the like, Debbie Downer saying about you it? You know how it is, you know. Oh, you know Mickey Joseph. You know they barely won. I don't know if he's the guy. Blah blah blah. I mean, 
you know, are we really going to be proud about a barely escaped win against Rutgers? <laughs> like, these are the same ones that are complaining about the stripes on the pants and, you know, hearkening back to the Tom Osborne days. So I'm not surprised. But, yes, we are going to be damn happy about this win because it's two wins in a row and we're at the top of the Big Ten West for right now. So, yeah, I'm very happy. Oh man, I'm ecstatic. You know, I was uh, walking in my car and just like, I almost skipped to my, I was, I was at this high school football game, you know, and I was like pumping my fist on the sideline. People probably thought I was crazy, but I don't care. I'm the boss. So I do whatever I want basically. But I was skipping to my car last night, man. I'm just like, this is, you know, this reminds me of what it was like to be in a brat. Like I, I was excited for the next week's game and you know, it's just, it's, it's been a long just run of depression. And yeah, we haven't had a, we never won three straight games under Scott Frost. So I'm guessing the last time we did, it was two, 2016 under Mike Riley. Keep so talking we, and I'll look it up. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure because I know it might've been 2015. Actually, I'm trying to think when Riley got fired. Yeah. I think it was the 2015 or no, no, that's right. 2016 season. I'm totally off on my years. You'll have to look it up and tell me, but I know we haven't won. I know that was a thing with Scott Frost is we never won three games in a row. And I believe he only won two games in the row in the Big Ten once. I think that was back in 2018. I want to say we beat uh, Michigan State and maybe like Illinois or somebody. And that win over Michigan State, I remember, was a really big win because they were actually like number 25 in the playoff rankings. So it felt like we beat a ranked team and then they ended up going seven and six. But um but yeah, that, that was like the high point of the frost there. And I feel like we're already kind of coming up on that right now with Mickey Joseph. And it's uh, it definitely feels like the most legitimate chance we've had to make a bowl game in a very, very long time. We won our first seven in 2016. Okay. And then we lost to Wisconsin, Ohio State, won against Minnesota and Maryland, lost to end the season against Iowa, where we got, we got shellacked 40 to 10 uh, against Iowa. And then we lost to Tennessee in the in the Music City Bowl by a 38-24 margin. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that was a good game, actually. I it was. It, it, it was. Riker Fife was the passing leader for Nebraska in the yeah. Music City Bowl. Because didn't Armstrong get hurt that game? Or was he hurt, or did they just go with Fife? He, he, he must have been hurt. Yeah, I was going to say he must have been hurt. Let's see. Divine or Zigbo. I'm just kind of going down memory lane here. You know, some of these names, Jordan Westerkamp had a lot of good receiving games that year. Uh, yeah, so 2016, I believe, because I'm looking at 2017, and we had... That was when they just the little wheels fell off, and then Riley got fired. After we had two wins against Rutgers and Illinois back-to-back in September of that year, and then we beat Purdue on October 28th that year, and then we proceeded to lose four in a row to end the season, including a 56-14 loss to uh, Iowa, and then a 56-44 loss to Penn State, who was ranked 10th at the time the week before. And that was a good Penn State team. Yep. Yep, Gerald is, uh, yep, says 2016. Um, so thanks for commenting and listening there Gerald but yeah it was a a long time ago man the Mike Riley era it would be great to you know get on that again Purdue's going to be tough but it'll be interesting to see at you know how kind of the action you know plays out today but the one thing that I love you know think I was thinking about this last night in terms of our Big Ten race is 
I was thinking, hey, man, if uh, Scott Frost hadn't done that that onside kick, we might be three and zero in the Big Ten. But uh, then he, but he would still be maybe the head coach. So then we wouldn't be. But it doesn't hurt that we lost our game to Northwestern. Like that is a loss I don't think is going to hurt us in like a tie-breaking sense of you know I don't expect Northwestern to be one of the teams we're competing with. So you know I feel pretty good about our two and one right now because there's nobody that we have to like actively root for to lose at this point. I feel good about Purdue not having David Bell or Rondell Moore this year for the first time in what seems like a while because, boy, they used to kill us. Purdue's always had, you know, good, shifty playmaking backs, you know, and, you know, they, they, they always seem to have a show, have a field day against us, put on a show. So I'm glad that those two are no longer with Purdue because, boy, they gave me headaches. But you're right. I mean, it's going to be a, a really tough game on the road next week. Um Purdue actually has a really interesting game against Maryland. So it's uh, kind of two somewhat surprising teams. You know, Maryland's four and one now and uh, Purdue's three and two. So that'll be an interesting game to watch. Another one I'm really watching is Iowa and Illinois. Illinois four and one beat the crap out of Wisconsin last week. And uh, if they win that, if Illinois wins that game, Iowa's going to have two losses in Big Ten play already, right along with Wisconsin. And uh, our game after the bye week is Illinois coming to Nebraska. So, I mean, that could be if we win this game and, and Illinois keeps winning, like that could be a huge, huge matchup coming down the road. And, and that's the next game that we play at home is up against Illinois. And you look at Purdue's schedule, they lost in the opener to a tough Penn State team. They shut out Indiana State 56 nothing. They barely lost to a tough Syracuse team, 32-29. They, they squeaked by FAU, but they beat Minnesota 20-10 last time out, last weekend. So this is a good Purdue team. They have, you know, a couple of, you know, close losses and a quality win against Minnesota. So, you know, they're certainly no slouch. And it always seems like when we come to play them, you know, they're always, they always bring their A game. Yeah, and they, um, I mean, you mentioned like they don't have uh, Rondale Moore, but they do have a guy, Charlie Jones. He's got 48, 47 catches for 588 yards and seven touchdowns through five games. Um, they've also got Aiden O'Connell, who, you know, is kind of one of the most um, underrated quarterbacks, I feel like, in the Big Ten. You know, he's not with C.J. Stroud and all that. He doesn't get that much talk, but, and he, he's not playing quite as well as last year. He only had four picks last year, and he's got three already this year, but, um, still is, uh, you know, 1,200 yards already, averaging 286 passing yards per game. So that's going to be my biggest concern, I think, just looking right away at Purdue is, uh, you know, their quarterback play is pretty solid and their defense is averaging, you know, almost two takeaways per game. So, I mean, that's a couple of pretty strong factors. But, you know, they do tend to turn the ball over a little bit. And uh, we've seen this defense start to get some takeaways. And, you know, maybe that will keep uh, keep building, you know, next week. You still got your mute button on there, I think, buddy. It's early in the morning. What can I say? Uh, Purdue still has late a, night out. Late night last late, night. <laughs> uh, late party at night leads to early mornings. But uh, no, Purdue still. Um, they have a couple of good safeties. Uh, Cam Allen is one of them, and I'm not sure how you pronounce uh, this kid's first name. Sansui Kane, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, you know, Allen has four pass deflections, 21 total tackles. Kane has 24 total tackles and a pass deflection in addition to a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. So they definitely have some playmakers on the defensive side of the football. And so I'm curious to see what um, 
Nebraska does to kind of combat that, especially with this, again, with this line, you know, a lot of, a lot of times these safeties nowadays don't necessarily drop back into coverage. They can, you know, um, provide a little bit of help in terms of pass rushing. So I'm curious to see how uh, Nebraska contains Kane and Allen, because to me, you know, those are two very big defensive playmakers for Purdue. Yeah, they're going to have to find a way to run the ball. You know, Purdue is a solid against the run and, and just like Rutgers was, but they're only giving up, uh, you know, three yards per rushing attempt. They're only allowing 51% completion rate from opposing quarterbacks. So I think Anthony Grant's going to be the key. Hopefully they can get him going. Um, but you really have to be able to run the ball on the road to beat good teams. And Nebraska is going to have to find a way to do that. The offensive line is going to be an issue. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm watching Donovan Rayola too. I think he does have some things to prove. Of course, there's only, you know, it's like the old adage, you know, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. So, I mean, he doesn't have a lot to work with right now, but, you know, he, he's got to get the most out of that group. And, you know, Whipple's going to have to scheme it up and, and see what they can do. But I think that's going to be the real test. And, you know, the, the good thing for Mickey is I, I feel like he's got, he's playing with some house money a little bit. And, uh, you know, if they just win, you know, one of these next two games, I mean, we're going into November four and four, which I think is going to be a, a pretty good spot. But, uh, you know, if you win, like I said, you win at Purdue, then you got it feels like you have a legitimate chance to, you know, win this division, which would be insane. I mean, if Nebraska wins the division, Mickey Joseph is definitely not going anywhere. I think we can say that for sure. And, you know, you said you can't make chicken salad out of, out of chicken ship, but look at what Bill Bush has done. I mean, maybe, maybe that could be <laughs> an exception to the rule, but I agree. If we can pick up a win on Saturday against Purdue, I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but. You know, if we can end this month strong, then, you know, I feel very good about our chances coming into November. Yeah, and I think, you know, to, uh, to the point about Bush, you know, I don't I don't know that he was working with chicken shit so much. I think that, uh, you know, Eric Shenander was like, a, had some decent food and just is like the worst, you know, worst cooks in America, worst defensive coordinators in America. That's Eric Shenander. Well, I you know? think like they played guys like, for example, I don't know if Malcolm Hartz uh, would be having a bigger role as he is right now. Um yeah. You know, I saw a report yesterday pregame, although I didn't really see this in the game, that Tommy Hill was out with the wide receivers. What do you make of that? Like, do you think that's something that can work? Do you think they're just trying to appease him to get him on the field for playing time? Like, what do you think of that? I thought it was a little strange, but. I mean, I think it's strange. I don't, I mean, I don't think that we need him at receiver. We've got pretty good depth at receiver, you know, with, uh, I mean, I can't imagine that he would be above of like the front. I would rather see Bonner out there than him. I mean, I guess maybe it's just a, you know, a chance to do something else, but you know, just because he's had some bad games doesn't mean, you know, he can't find a way to, to contribute, you know, as a defensive back. And, you know, it, uh, we don't right now, I think there's some injury questions with Quentin Newsom. So we're going to have to see what his status is going to be. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't move him over there. I think that, uh, you know, after, Brandon Moore and Hartsog, you know, there's not a lot of guys, you know, out there. I mean, you have Jaden Gould who can play a little bit of both as a freshman. Um, Deshaun Singleton got some action last night. I saw it safety, but you know, I, I think that they're pretty thin at that position already. Yeah, no, I just thought it was interesting. Cause I know, I know I sent you the tweet and I was just kind of like, yeah, this is interesting, but yeah, yeah I don't right. really know what to make of it though. Yeah. I don't know what to make of it either. I didn't really see him out with the wide receivers last night. And then, um, yeah, I you're definitely right about the cornerback depth beyond Hartzog and you know Farmer and Newsom. There isn't a ton there, but 
I would love to see more players step up because we've lacked cornerback depth over the past couple of seasons. So if we can continue to establish depth on the fly, so to speak, I'd be very happy with that. I mean, look at what Hartsog's done. He's been great. Yeah, it's kind of, um, it is, you know, the idea of like maybe starting Brandon Moore and Malcolm Hartsog at Purdue is a little scary, you know, so hopefully Newsom is okay. And, but I mean, hey, those guys are, are playing well though. I mean, they both had interceptions last night and I think, the run defense and the defensive line is really like Colton Feast and like Ty Robinson have just been completely different players. The last Feast has years. been great. I know we've knocked on him, but he's been really good these past couple of weeks. Yeah. And same thing as Robinson. He escaped a double team last night and still managed to get into the backfield. So those two in particular, you know, I loved to rag on them, but I'm, you know, I'll, I'll give them props too. I thought they were very, very good last night. And hopefully this continues. It's almost like, you know, they've just been told to just put your head down and play football and play play aggressive like you know you can. And they've responded to the challenge well. I know Mickey challenged Robinson and uh, last week against Indiana. And, you know, he's continued to play really well. So I'm happy to see that. Yeah, I think putting just putting guys in a position to succeed, you know, that's an overlooked part of coaching. But Bill Bush has done a great job at that. And, you know, he's obviously – doing a really good job at making halftime adjustments. He hasn't, his defense hasn't given up a point in the second half. So I think that is really telling because it seemed like Eric Shenander was incapable of making an adjustment that Scott Frost was incapable of making an adjustment. And so it's good to see and even Whipple. I, you know, I, people probably didn't love the fourth and one pass play, but you know, I didn't have a problem with it. I just, you know, Mickey Joseph said, you know, they got the look that they wanted. They just didn't execute. So, you know, you can't the always sweep. Be, is that what you're talking about? The sweep? No, the pass play, but it was fourth and one. Oh, they, oh. they went spread. I'm sure people were pissed. About oh, because I was thinking about the one that they did with Trey Palmer. In the that little was odd. that, that was, was a little weird. Yeah, that was dumb. I, that was running up the gut. That's yeah, all you gotta do. But Ball maybe, forward. maybe, maybe he's thinking I can't just run it up the gut though. So maybe if I can, do, you know, and that's the thing is if if uh, the snap wasn't all discombobulated, Trey Palmer probably would have got the first down. I mean, only needed a freaking yard, but yeah, yeah. that was that that probably was a little too cute. At that point, just fall forward, run and fall forward, and you got a chance making the the fourth down. In my opinion, I th- I I I do think it was a little too cute. If it works, you get Trey Palmer in space, but I mean that that one was a real head scratch to me. You, all 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 you got to do is get one yard, fall forward, and you got the first down. I know the uh, push by the line was awful last night, but I think Grant could have picked up a yard. That's somewhere too where you know, like you mentioned about Purdy or Smith, like that might be a spot where you just say, hey, like we're bringing in Smothers to basically be like our power back. Not because he is, a, but he is a big guy and he can run. And the thing is, if you are running the ball to your quarterback, you get an extra blocker. So, I mean, it could just be somewhere you shotgun snap it and he gets some momentum and picks up a yard. I mean, I don't think that that would be, I know that the defense is obviously going to know you're probably going to pass it but or run the ball. But, you know, if it's short yardage, that's usually the case anyway. And sometimes they just, they've got to find a way to be able to pick up those short yardage a situation so that's something i'm going to be kind of be watching in the next couple of weeks but man i'm a i'm a huge casey thompson fan i guess you know as, as we're going to wrap it up here um i wanted to talk about um game balls and, and my game ball goes to casey thompson um overall i know that the there's guys on the defense the entire unit like i said give the black shirts back to some of those guys but nebraska doesn't win this game without Casey Thompson steadying the ship and, uh, you know, just doing a great job at quarterback and, and finding a way to, to come up and make some clutch plays when needed. So he, he gets my game ball. How about you, Danny? Yeah, I definitely go with, with Casey Thompson. You know, I think, um, 
you know, he he did a good job of taking what was given. He didn't try to force too, too much. Um, he just kind of took what he could against a tough uh, pass rush from Rutgers. I mean, he was running for his life, I feel like, a lot of the game. So I think he did a really good job. And then defensively, I got to give it to Malcolm Hartsog. I mean, he's a freshman. He's come in uh, two weeks in a row and really kind of, you know, changed the uh, course of the game with the punt block against Indiana. And then, you know, the interception again um, last night. And so, you know, I think Malcolm Hartsog, I think, you know, Nebraska's had trouble developing players, but I think they're on the right track with him here. Yeah, they definitely found something with him. I, I love Malcolm Hartzog, make it, you know, to get benched. And I mean, not that they benched him for a long time, but just to kind of get his head back on straight and to come back and make a huge play like that. You know, I just think that that shows the coaching staff is, is pushing the right buttons. And Mickey, you know, and these guys push the right buttons with Miles Farmer. I mean, he has, he's had some struggles this year, but huge, huge, huge play last night. So he would get my defensive game ball. And then I, for coaches, I would give it to Bill Bush probably because, again, to shut out someone in the second half, I don't care any level of FC, FBS football, that's that's a good job. That's a job well done. Yeah, Bill Bush has been absolutely masterful uh, these past couple weeks, and he's really getting the players to buy in. But it's not just about getting the players to buy into his system. He's putting them in situations where they can unleash their skills and you know what they are best known for. For Robinson, it's being aggressive and getting into the backfield and trying to get after the quarterback. For Feast, it's about you know, clogging up the lanes and, you know, trying to be that disruptor for, for a running game, you know, for a guy like, you know, Hartsog, it's about trying to be athletic and using his speed to, you know, pick off interceptions. It's all kind of gelling together. And it's great to see uh, both coach and players really trusting in the system and then going out and, and executing it in ways that can help them succeed. Yeah, it was a it was a great win, a victory Saturday. We're gonna have another victory Monday. We're gonna be able to sit back and watch college football all day, just feeling good. It's gonna be great. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Who are you gonna be watching today? I think I'm gonna be watching Miami UNC today. Um, oh, a good one. Yeah, it's gonna be a good game. Uh, Drake May is absolutely incredible, and so um, I'm hoping that you know I'm 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 hoping Miami can take this one, but you know we'll see. I mean UNC is a very very good team and. Uh, I might watch my Boston College Eagles up here, although they're nothing to watch this year. So, I mean, so it's going to be a very interesting day. But like you said, it's going to be fun to watch it without stress because, boy, last night I was about this close to breaking my TV on several occasions. <laughs> yeah, I don't I was uh, I just I had a calm. I had a feeling that they were going to pull it out. So I'm glad that they did. And I'm going to sit back today and watch who can come join Nebraska in a first place tie atop the Big Ten West. Come get us, boys, because right now we're in first place all alone atop the Big Ten West. So um, I think we will wrap that up about here, folks. It's college game day. Everything's coming on. So you can enjoy your college football Saturday. Uh, you know, maybe time to drive through McDonald's or, uh, you know, get the get the old cup of Joe out to enjoy this college football Saturday. But make sure, you know, if you uh, like our Nebraska content to, you know, like this uh video subscribe to our youtube channel get in on the comments tell us what you think about nebraska's two-game winning streak um, and also check out our written content um, you can follow me chris peterson at huskerbigred.com uh, danny has some great stuff over at the great cornholio.org 
Um, so check all of that stuff out. You can check us out, Husker Big Red Podcast on uh, Apple or Spotify. So rate us there, and uh, we'll be back um, on Monday. We'll have some more thoughts on Nebraska's win over Rutgers, and we will look ahead to Purdue and break down everything in the Big Ten West. So enjoy your college football Saturday, and enjoy this win over Rutgers, two wins in a row. As always, folks, go Big Red. Go Big Red.